Amen. Well, uh, like Kaylee mentioned before, we are in a new sermon series this morning, and it's called That'll Leave a Mark. My son, Asa, he's two. He's exuberant. He's energetic. He has a giant head. And so when he was scootering around in our cul-de-sac the other day, he hit a rock and, oh, he hit his forehead right on the pavement, and I couldn't help. I just said, oh, That'll leave a mark. Of course, I went to make sure he was okay and he was fine. There's a lot of things in our lives that leave a mark on us. And the reason I've titled this sermon series, That'll Leave a Mark, we're going to get to that in a bit. But what the series is about, it's about character. It's about, no, 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 not that character. It's about character, which is the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. All of us have certain things about who we are that make up our character, our thoughts, our beliefs, our attitudes, and our actions. Before I get to explaining why uh, I named this series, That'll Leave a Mark, I want to tell you three brief stories to just kind of help get us into both the sermon this morning and also the next eight weeks we're going to spend together. I just finished reading a book, fantastic book. It's called Being Mortal. It was written by an American surgeon, practices out of Boston, and a public health researcher who's also an author, has this unbelievable ability to to balance really heavy medical language with just compelling, accessible stories. His name is Atul Gawande, and in his book, he shares story after story about many of his patients, and what he's exploring are all of the challenges and complexities and decisions involved in coming to the end of our physical lives. It explores heavy topics like the frailty of our bodies and losing some of the control and capacities that we get familiar with. I want to share just a couple of those stories. First one, it's about a man named Harry Truman, not President Harry Truman, but this guy. Truman lived at the base of Mount St. Helen in a home he'd lived in for years, and he lived there around 1980. And if you know anything about Mount St. Helens in 1980, you know that that's not a good time to live in a house at the base of this volcano. Well, sure enough, authorities came to Truman's house and said, the volcano's going to erupt and you need to evacuate. But Truman was adamant. No, this is my home and I'm going to stay here. He was quoted in many newspapers. Uh, His actual quote had a little more colorful language. But generally what he said was, I am 80 years old, and at 80, I get to make up my mind and do what I want to do. Well, sure enough, that's what Truman did. And when the volcano erupted, it buried Truman, and he died in his home. Gawande tells a number of other stories. There's another one about a man named Lou, who, maybe similar to Truman, was coming towards the end of his life, But Lou didn't want to go down with the ship. Instead, he had a conversation with his daughter, and not long after Lou had his first fall, injured his hip, he realized he couldn't live on his own anymore, so he chose to move in with his daughter, rearrange the living room, set up 
a bed. And for them, that decision worked. And then Gawande tells another story of an unnamed lady who lived in Florida and at 89 years old, without consulting with her children or even telling them about it, she researched the nursing homes in the area. She chose one and she got herself moved in. Three different people, all with some similar decisions and circumstances in life, but one decides to go down with a ship to stay in his home. One chooses to move in with a daughter. One chooses to move into a nursing home. These are just one category of many major decisions we have to make in our lives. Decisions with significance and decisions with consequence. And so here's what I want you to think about as we consider these three stories, and more so as you consider whatever it is that you're looking at in your life today. What are the, or sorry, what causes us to make the decisions we make. For Harry Truman and Lou and this other woman, what caused them to make their decisions in their life? Whatever big decisions you're facing, what are the things that are causing you, influencing you, working upon you, shaping how you choose, where you go, and what you do? Well, the fact is, and you know this, There's a ton of different things. There's so many different variables and circumstances and experiences that are at work in our lives that might have some influence. But I want to suggest one thing that might have the biggest influence on the decisions we make, and that one thing is our character. Our character is the foundation upon which We do everything we do in our lives. It's the foundation for all of our choices. It's the foundation for all of our actions. As a matter of fact, I think that our character influences everything in our lives. I think your character, who you are at the core, has an influence on every single part of your life and every single moment of your life. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the next eight weeks and we're going to talk about character. And there's three questions that are going to shape this whole sermon series. Here they are. What is character? How do I form character? And why does character matter? And then each week, as we talk about different character traits like patience or justice or compassion, we're going to ask those same three questions about each of the good character traits that we hope become more and more conducive to how we live our lives, to who we are. But today, we're just going to introduce the whole idea by talking generally about this big, juicy word, character. And I want to start as we often do, by looking at the way the word character is used in Scripture. It's used many different times by many different biblical authors to reference the kind of person we want to be. Now, in Greek, the language of the New Testament, there's actually four different words that can mean, in some way, can mean character. The first one is also an English word you might be familiar with. It's the word ethos. Ethos in Greek is defined as the guiding beliefs, ideals, or behaviors of a community or an ideology. What I think about is the ethos of the coffee shops that I visit. Some of them have an ethos of more 
professionalism, and some of them have an ethos of more eclectic, artistic vibe. Ethos, it's that sort of unspoken mix of things that make a room or a group or a place have a feel. Now, there's two other New Testament words that very often get translated as character. One means the results of a trial or suffering. It's the way we grow through suffering. It's what the Apostle Paul says when he says suffering leads to perseverance. Perseverance creates character, and character gives us hope. There's yet another word that means simply having a good mind, being good-minded about how we live our lives. But there's a fourth fourth word that to me was the most interesting. This fourth Greek word is not ever in the New Testament translated to, to our English word of character, which is funny because the Greek word is kerakteros. This is the word that we got our word from. One of the definitions is, in fact, a characteristic trait or manner. That sounds a lot like it. However, the root of this word actually comes from a kind of a completely different place. And when I found out the history of this word, I was fascinated with it. See, the root of the word is actually its verb form. And the verb means to engrave or to etch or to leave a mark or impression. So the noun can mean a mark or an impression or an engraving. It brings to mind things like old letters when you would seal in wax your specific seal. And when the letter arrived, you could look at the seal and because of the distinct characteristics in the wax, you knew who the letter came from. Or you think of a typewriter, and when the mechanical arm hits the page, it leaves a mark. It leaves an impression. And the impression is such that you know each of the different characters in our alphabet. So as we think about character, right, as we think about this foundational part of who we are that has an influence on everything we do in life, I want to suggest a new definition for us to wrestle with a little bit over the next few weeks. I want to suggest that character is both the marks left on our life by our relationships and experiences, as well as the marks we leave on the lives of others. Let me ask you this. When you think of your character, of what quality character are you, whether the good things in your life that you hope become more and more true or some of the things you'd rather weren't true about you, who are some of the people whose influence has been so great that you would say, they left a mark on my life? Those marks, those impressions, those influences, that is how our character formed and our character has an influence, it leaves a mark, on others as well. Now, just to make sure we're abundantly clear, yes, our experiences, our relationships, our circumstances, they all have an impact on our lives. Yes, they do. But we're not just stuck with whatever life throws our way because we actually have a superpower. I don't know if you know this, but you have a superpower. We could make a comic book about your life. Here's your superpower. It's your 
respond ability. Your ability not just to passively be hit by the world, but your ability to choose how to respond to anything and everything that comes your way. See, because yes, character is a, form, a combination of everything coming into our life and the marks we live on others, but our character is formed both externally by people and circumstances around us and internally by our responses to those people and circumstances. Which brings us to our second question for the morning. How do I form character? Because, right, I mean, you get it, right? You kind of see it. You can look back over your life and you can look at all the things that have happened to you that have had an impact, some of them good, some of them bad, and you know that how you respond matters, but Carl, come on, let's get a little more practical. Well, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to first, for today, just talk generally about what it looks like as people trying to follow Jesus, what it looks like to form character. But then every week we're going to ask the same question and get a little more specific with some ideas about specific practices or habits to get into to try and form certain character qualities in our lives. So how do we form character generally? Well, I'd like to, I'd like to continue with this thought experiment that character is a combination of the marks left on our lives and the mark we leave on other by suggesting this. Um, imagine that your life is a piece of wood. Maybe you don't want to imagine your life as a piece of wood. Maybe that's offensive. I apologize, but just imagine your life as a piece of wood. Now, we've all seen wood that has gotten marked up. I mean, some of us might say, if my life is a piece of wood, it looks a lot like a wood floor in the home of a dog owner where the scratches are just taking over and it looks chaotic and maybe a little bit ugly. But we also know that a different piece of wood with just as many marks or cuts or scratches, instead of looking ugly and chaotic, can actually look like a beautiful engraving. I mean, think about it. This piece of artwork actually has even more scratches and cuts and marks than the wood floor. But even though it has more cuts in it, it looks beautiful. So how do we make the difference? Well, like I said, one, the difference is made by how we choose to respond to the things that happen to us. The difference is also made in our intentionality about life. If we're just going to drift along and kind of go wherever the current leads us, then we might get scratched up a little bit. But with intentionality, what once was a scratch can become something more beautiful. But here's the first thing I actually want to suggest about character formation. See, I'm reading a book right now with a couple other parents, and it's called The Tech Wise Family, written by an author named Andy Crouch, who's just exploring the way that technology is having a significant influence, not just on our personal lives, but in our homes and on our families. And uh, Crouch, Andy Crouch, the author, he, uh, talks about how one of the promises that technology makes, one of the ways technology lures us in is with the claim that it can give us easy everywhere. 
right? If we want to communicate, we can communicate easily no matter where we are. If we want to do banking and deposit a check, we don't need to go to the bank. We can just take a picture on the phone. It's easy everywhere. And Crouch really explores just how much technology has made us think maybe everything in life can be easy everywhere. Maybe I can even make my life a beautiful wood carving easy everywhere. But the fact of the matter is, Forming character is not easy. Forming character takes work. Here's the way that Crouch sums it up in his book. He says, nothing easy forms us. So, everything that forms us, in some respect, is hard. Turns out the Apostle Paul actually said something very similar We just talked about the Apostle Paul for many, many weeks when we were studying through his life in the New Testament book of Acts. And Paul's whole desire in life was to share the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible. And he wanted to share the good news both by speaking it, but he also wanted his very life, all that he did with his life, to leave the impression of Christ on the people around him. And so Paul was talking about that And here's how he described just how seriously he took his own character formation, the impression that he left on others. He said, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box like one flailing in the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Paul knew, Andy Crouch knew, And I bet that if you're honest with yourself, you know, character formation takes work. So here's one of the questions I just want to put out there as we go through these many weeks together. If you find yourself thinking, you know what, I really want to grow in this area. I'd like to become more patient, more kind, more humble, seek justice. If you find yourself wanting to grow, we're going to have to ask ourselves. And it's a question maybe we don't want to ask ourselves all the time, but we have to ask ourselves, Am I ready to do the work it takes to form character? But my second answer to how character forms is a little bit of good news, because the good news is this. We don't have to look far to find opportunities for character formation. In fact, just the opposite is true. Character is formed by everything. What I mean is every experience you have, Every moment of every day, whether at home or at work, whether you're alone or with people, everything can be a character-forming opportunity. Like I said, the only thing required is your, in, excuse me, your intentionality and your choice for how to respond. But my third answer to the question of how character forms is one caveat. Yes, Character can be formed in the midst of every experience in your life, except. See, here's what I've learned about myself. Sometimes, instead of living my life, I find myself getting caught in two traps. I find myself either getting stuck in the past. I don't mean purposefully reflecting on the past in order to learn and grow. I mean getting stuck in a cycle of reliving or rehashing the past over and over. Or 
Sometimes I can also get consumed by being anxious about the future. Here's the thing about the past and the future. They don't actually exist. The past used to exist and the future will exist, but the only moment that ever truly exists is the present moment. Life is nothing but a big series of moment after moment after moment. The only way you can actually live is in the present. And therefore, while character is formed by every possible situation, character is only formed in the present. And like we're going to talk about next week, if we go through life discarding moment after moment after moment, we're going to come to the end of our day and find that we've missed every opportunity before us to grow into the people God has made us to be. Which brings us to our third and final question. Why does character matter? Carl, I have technology. Carl, I've got a good life already. Why does character really matter? Well, here's the thing. Character matters because it makes a difference in every part of your life. Like we said at the beginning, character influences everything you're doing. So I want to suggest a couple reasons that character really matters. First of all, because you have big decisions to make. I mean, some of you are either personally or with a loved one making the sort of end-of-life decisions that Gawande talks about in his book, Being Mortal. Some of you are making big decisions about dating or marriage, about starting a career, about finding a place to live. People are moving across the country and world. People's lives every moment of day have big decisions with big consequences for where our life is going to go. And so if character is a foundational influence on every decision we make, and if we know we've got big decisions to make, but we don't always know when those decisions are going to come along, then let's start doing character formation now so that we can be all the more ready when those big moments come our way. But the second reason character formation really matters, character really matters, is not just because we have to make decisions for us, but also because the decisions you make will leave a mark on other people. Take a second right now. Who are some of the people in your life who have left a mark on you, who have made an impression on your life. Who are some of the people that come to mind when you can say, you know what, I am the person I am because this individual influenced me. They spoke to me. They taught me. They showed me an example. Well, just like other people have had a profound influence on your life, so also you are influencing. You are leaving a mark on other people's lives as well. The only question is, what kind of a mark are you going to leave? Our lives are all going to make an impression. It's up to us to choose with reflection, with intentionality, with some hard work, the kinds of marks we're going to leave on the lives of those around us. Which brings us, as always, to the question of your move. If character influences everything, 
if it's undergirding all the decisions we make, if it's formed by the people around us and our response to them, and if it determines how we influence others, what are we going to do about it? Well, here's the first thing I want to say. I want to invite you on a journey. Since we know character matters, since we know God cares about character and wants to form our character, I want to invite you, will you take the next eight weeks and make them an intentional time of character formation in your life? A time when you reflect on your character and also seek to purposely form your character. And I've got three simple practices that I want to invite you to consider for the week ahead to sort of get your heart and mind into this season of character formation. First of all, simple practice that you could do this afternoon if you wanted. You could pause my sermon and do it right now if you wanted, and I would be just fine with that. Think of somebody in your life who you look up to. And here's what I challenge you to do. Call someone maybe a couple decades older than you, and ask them, what was one of the most formative experiences of your life? Maybe, there's not, maybe they're not a couple decades older, but just anybody that you look up to, that you respect, that you admire, anybody that you think, I want my life to look like their life. Call them on the phone. Pull them up on Zoom. Go visit them if you can, and simply ask them, share one of the most formative experiences of your life. Oftentimes, we learn how we can grow by listening to the stories of other people's growth. It reminds me of a piece of classic literature, the Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius. And he wrote a book called The Meditations. And the beginning of his book was a list of all the people, his mother, his father, his tutor at home, a list of all the people who had taught him different virtues. And he just wrote out from my mother these virtues, from my father, from my mentor, from my friends. We have the choice to choose the kinds of people who are having an influence on your life. So call somebody, visit somebody, ask them what was the most formative experience of your life. And then after you ask them, there's a critical next step. Sit And just listen. Just take it in. That's practice number one. Here's my second suggestion. Um, Over these next eight weeks, here's the character traits we're going to talk about. Here's the things that I think we, as people seeking to follow Jesus, want to develop more of in our lives. The list is endless. There's so many different ways we could talk about this. This is just the list I chose. We're going to talk about the character trait of presence, of being in the present moment, of patience, justice, humility, perseverance, and then as a whole set, as the Apostle Paul said, faith, hope, and love. If you consider this list, or if you consider any of the other character traits that you might value in your life, here's what I want you to spend some time thinking about. Maybe writing in your journal one of the days, maybe having a conversation over coffee with a friend, Spend some time thinking about this question. Where in my life do I most desire to grow in character? Where's that desire? Where's that hope? If you're honest, where do you feel like maybe you're a little deficient and you could use a little polishing up? 
And then don't skip the second question. Not only where do you want to grow, but why? See, I think we all might have a lot of different reasons why we want to grow in character. Some of them are great reasons, but some of them might not be that great reasons. We could have maybe selfish reasons to grow in character. We could simply be trying to polish our self-image so other people think more highly of us. So I want to close by suggesting what I think is the one most critical reason why we want to grow in character. And that is because God made us to be people of good character. When God created you, when God started sketching out your image in his mind, when God started etching your life into the wood, into the fabric of creation, he had in mind not a broken, scratched up life, but he had in mind a beautiful piece of artwork. And God believes already that you are a person of character. And here's why he believes it. We talked two weeks ago on Easter Sunday about Jesus, how Jesus has defeated death and has unleashed a power of new life that is present with you today. That power is in you. The beauty of the life of Christ is in you, and God wants to bring it out of you. There's no life more joyful, more hopeful, more beautiful than a life lived according to the design God has for that life. That's why we want to grow in character. Now, there's one sort of final caution, and that's this. Often when we talk about something like character formation— especially acknowledging that it takes hard work. If you're like me, you might run into a circumstance where you go, okay, I want to be more patient. I want to be more humble. But that just sounds like too much work. I don't even know if I have the strength it takes to accomplish that work. Well, there's a final bit of good news. You don't have to do the work alone. As a matter of fact, there's a way in which You don't even have to do the work at all because God has already promised that he is at work in you. Jesus, he gave this beautiful metaphor where he said, he, Jesus, he's like a vine. And every single one of us is like a branch. Our growth is a result of the health of the vine. And Jesus made this promise. He said, since he's the vine, he said, remain in me and I will remain in you. The hard work of character formation is something we never do alone, and in fact, it's something we don't even need the strength for ourselves. We only need to remain in the vine, and the life and power of Jesus will be the strength we need. We will hear the voice of God speaking into us that we do have character, and we can be who God made us to be. So my third practice that I invite you to for this week is a simple prayer, and we'll come back to it many times. We can pray, God, give me the desire, give me the courage, and show me the way to grow. I'm going to have the worship team come back up, but here's what I'd love you to do. Will you take a moment right now and just ask yourself seriously, Do I want to set this season as a purposeful time of character formation? I hope that you will join me, that we as a community can grow together 
with Christ. And with that, would you pray with me now? God, we confess that sometimes we do feel overwhelmed. We feel a little scared. We feel a little burdened, like it's too heavy of a weight to think about overcoming some of the wounds and some of the scratches that have marred our lives. God, we confess that, yes, the idea of being people of great character, it's compelling, but all sorts of things hold us back. So God, we pray first, where we even lack the desire, where we're even afraid to to name it, God, would you give us a desire to be formed into your image, into the character you say we have. And God, if we have that desire, but the journey just seems too hard, God, would you give us the courage, the courage and strength that comes from knowing you, God, are with us. We never go alone. And God, if we have the desire and we feel your strength in us, but we just don't know what to do next, God, would you show us the way? Show us, maybe just step by step, where to go on this journey of character formation, a journey of being formed more and more into who you, our God, have made us to be. Amen.